welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with three returning starters. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother with a cavalier attitude. Okay, that's me, Ryan Newman. <laughs> and by the other brother, who's a little bit hokey. That would be me, Trey Newman, but you're you're a little bit more of a blue devil. Ooh. Ooh, all right. Thank okay. you. Um, <laughs> on today's episode, as you may have guessed by those names, we are covering the ACC Coastal Division and ACC Championship. If you've been enjoying our previews, be sure to spread the word. Uh, share our podcast on Facebook. Tweet it to your friends. Rate us five stars. We... Really appreciate any help that uh, the listeners are willing to give. But before we get into our previews, we have to bring up, of course, a huge story that uh, Brett Brett McMurphy just dropped today on Facebook. Um, And if Ryan and Trey's audio sounds a little different, this is an emergency late edition to the podcast right here. We just had to add this in because of this breaking news. So, of course, Urban Meyer has been placed on administrative leave pending an investigation, and offensive coordinator Ryan Day has been named the interim head coach. So, before I I ask you guys your thoughts, I'm just going to give my best attempt at a brief summary of Brett McMurphy's story. So, in 2009, Zach Smith, then an intern under Urban Meyer at Florida, abused his pregnant wife, Courtney. Urban Meyer knew that that incident occurred, reported it to his superiors, And afterwards, Urban Meyer's life coach and close friend met with Courtney and was one of the people that asked her to drop the charges, which she eventually did. Years later, Meyer, now at Ohio State, hired Zach Smith as a wide receiver coach. And in 2015, Zach Smith again assaulted Courtney, and she has pictures of herself and several police reports providing evidence of the abuse. But of course, Zach Smith was not fired until very recently. So the big question is, what evidence do we have that Urban knew about the 2015 abuse because he claimed recently that he knew absolutely nothing. Um, So the evidence that we do have is that Courtney texted all of the coach's wives, including, of course, Urban Meyer's wife, Shelly. So Shelly was fully aware of the the full extent of it. Um, And more evidence we have is that the wife of Ohio State's director of football operations texted Courtney saying that Urban knew uh, and that Urban Meyer actually confronted Zach Smith about it, but Zach Smith denied it. So there you have it. That's all the information we have. What, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this whole situation? What do you think is going to happen? I, it's, it, this is just so mind-blowing. Like I really, as the day gone on, I still have thought there's just no way they're going to fire him. But the more and more of the Twitter police that you see and, and the, the, the columnists and the damning evidence, you would really think that Urban doesn't really stand a chance here. You know, if you put a gun to my head right now, if I had to decide, I would say he he doesn't survive this, especially with, um, you know, the, the tumultuous cultures that we've seen recently, like at Baylor, Penn State, other programs. Michigan State. Michigan State. So, you know, D'Antonio survived, but Dan, that Larry Nassar wasn't exactly D'Antonio's guy. This was Urban Meyer's actual guy, and... He's and Urban Meyer's denying knowing all this, so I have a hard time seeing him survive this. At, since more and more has come out throughout the day, yeah, I I just don't see any way for uh, Urban to get by this one. I mean, just in today's world, you know, we're all very very 
aware of these types of allegations and these types of uh, behaviors by by men. And it's just, I don't think there's any way you can escape that. But he covered it up. I mean, he lied about knowing. And he should have, we all kind of know Urban's past. It seems like a lot of bad stuff happened at Florida. Then he left. And then with this situation with Zach Smith, I just don't think there's any way that Urban can get by this. Um, especially when Brett McMurphy's apparently he's got more evidence. He's got more texts that he hasn't released yet, more photos. And now everybody's just going to want a piece of it. So I just, you know, the way Trestle left this, it didn't seem like it was as bad of a situation as this is. Um, so I, I don't see any way urban can uh, survive this one. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately after kind of this morning, I agree with you, Trey. It didn't, it seemed like, okay, maybe he'll survive this, but it's, kind of looking worse and worse just based on, you know, I know Reese Davis went on ESPN and said, this is often a precursor to firing someone, putting them on administrative leave. And there's a lot of bad facts for for Urban Meyer. I think Spencer Hall put it well in an article today. He said, basically, if Ohio State's going to keep him, they're going to have to, first of all, defend the fact that Urban Meyer hired Zach Smith in the first place, uh, knowing about the alleged domestic violence incident in, uh, in 2009. And then they're going to have to you know, maybe get the fans or the public to believe that Urban Meyer's wife, despite having, you know, full knowledge of everything that happened in 2015, never told him. And of course, that's possible, but it it is hard to believe. So, so yeah, it's it's not looking good. Ohio State's handling it the right way, you know, taking kind of swift actions, saying we're going to investigate this and um, we'll just have to, to wait and see what happens. But if Urban Meyer doesn't survive this, which is somewhat of a big if, but it's looking more and more possible, obviously, who do you think would be the candidates to replace him, I guess, next year, probably, or in the next offseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a guy that I've seen mentioned, which I, I just don't, I don't really believe it, is is Les Miles. Um, so, oof. Yeah, I know. And I don't see them going back to someone like Luke Fickle. I know he's at Cincinnati now, but he just he was with the past regime and, you know, it wasn't tremendous success. So this is a hard, hard list for me. I, I know yeah. I think you guys have a, a, a couple ideas that, that sound pretty good, so I'll let you guys kinda get into those. Yeah, right now there's no there's no name that just jumps out to me and says, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um and it's so as the year goes on, maybe some kind of under the radar teams have great years and all of a sudden new coaching candidates will emerge. Uh, but I mean, a few guys that have at least potential are guys like Jeff Brom over at Purdue. If he kind of does that, has another good year there. Um, Brian Harson, I always say him for the next power five job yeah. that opens. He's proved himself at Boise. Um, Michael, you mentioned this earlier today when we were talking Neil Brown, if he has another good year at Troy. So uh, it's just who knows at this point. I think uh, at, as the year goes on, we'll get a little a more clear picture of who they might be looking at if if Urban's gone. Yeah, I mean, at a place like Ohio State, any great coach could potentially be a candidate. You know, people have thrown out Mike Vra- Mike Vrabel from the Titans. I guess Matt Campbell, Pat Fitzgerald, even Tom Herman. That seems crazy. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of crazy names out there. Um, Joe Moorhead, Bo Pelini. <laughs> yeah, Bo Pelini. So who knows? There's going to be, I mean, we're kind of jumping the gun talking about candidates when, of course, Urban hasn't been fired. But, oh, one one more candidate is, I guess, just Ryan Day, who's going to be the interim head coach right now. So um, anyway, it'll be interesting to, to hear all the rumors and uh, yeah, we'll just have and, to wait and see, I guess. And then how it affects the team this year. I mean, they're, yeah. they're a national title contender. I mean, it's just, 
it's crazy. When is the last time something like this has happened to a title contender where it's just such a huge adversity before the season even starts? Another thing, though, is not not to make light of the situation, but on a different note, how bad does ESPN look letting Brett McMurphy go? Yeah. My gosh, he's he's got the story of the year, and he's having to do it on his own, and ESPN let it, let go one of their best investigative reporters with, with a, a smashing success of a story like this. So that, that's, a, that's a little blemish. It took him a long time to, uh, to even acknowledge the fact that Brett McMurphy broke this story. They, they waited as long as they could to come up with their own articles. But all right, let's, uh, that, that's it for now for Urban Meyer. I'm sure we'll be talking about him more in future episodes. But let's move on and start with our ACC Coastal Preview by playing a game of Call Me Crazy But. Trey, why don't you get us started? All right. Call me crazy, but Duke will finish second in the Coastal. It's crazy to say that for football especially. (laughs) I'll touch on it more later when we get to the the Duke preview, but I'm high on Coach Cutcliffe and the returning experience that Duke has. I think Daniel Jones is going to take a step forward in the offense, and they get Virginia Tech and North Carolina at home as I view them as the, the main competition for that second spot. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's crazy at all, actually, Trey. Um it's gonna be tough for them to beat out Virginia Tech, but you know, with those departures and kind of controversies going on over there in Blacksburg and the division being pretty weak otherwise, I, I totally think the the Blue Devils are capable of doing it. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy at all either. You got RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson coming in. Um Yeah. 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 Top top oh, oh, football. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach K ain't walking through that door. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to say you're crazy. Um, I think they'll be pretty good, but I still like Virginia Tech a lot more. And Duke also draws Clemson from the Atlantic, so I, I just don't see it. All right. Uh, call me crazy, but I think Malik Rogier will start all 12 games for Miami. I like this Miami squad. Like last year, I think they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, especially since they avoid Clemson in the regular season. And I don't see why Richt would want to mess with that by switching QBs, especially since it's not like any of the backups there are uber talented, like a Trevor Lawrence is. So, I mean, maybe Perry, but, you know, he's not exactly top top shelf talent like Lawrence. So I'm going to say he's going to keep the status quo and uh, Lauren, uh, Rogier will start all 12 games. Yeah, I'm going to say you're not crazy. I agree. Richt has been pretty adamant from the beginning that Malik Rozier is the guy. So he's clearly going to get the first chance at it. And, you know, everyone behind him, they're, they're all freshmen, whether, you know, red shirt or true freshman, you got Nikosi Perry, Cade Weldon, and then the true freshman, Jaron Williams. So it's not like there's some experienced guy behind him or any sort of clear choice there. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Rozier starts all 12. I'm going to say it's a little crazy because I mean, I want to believe that he starts all 12 games, but he really struggled towards the end of the year. I know it'll be another year under his belt to get the whole offseason, but you know, you kind of downplayed the talent behind him, but there are some talented guys behind him. And I just feel like when Rozier struggles, some of those freshmen are at least going to maybe get a look. So, and they might, might take over the job. So I say you're crazy. Fair enough. Okay. Last one. Call me crazy, but if Georgia Tech goes seven and five or worse, they should move on from Paul Johnson. And so, you know, I, I think Paul Johnson's a good coach. He's done a, a good job overall, but I just don't think there's a lot of excitement around the program right now. Seems to be a ceiling with Johnson. I mean, even in the Orange Bowl years, they finished 29th and 16th in S&P Plus. So if I were a fan of Georgia Tech, I'd want to bring in a guy, someone who's going to, 
you know, compete with recruits. Uh, compete Lane for- Kiffin, we know, we know. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly where I was going. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, You've made my argument for me. It's just obvious where you're going. So is it crazy, Trey? I don't think it's crazy at all. I I agree with you. They've they've proven that their ceiling is pretty much like nine wins, except for that you know that aberration that orange bowl year but they just they can't compete with the upper echelon of the conference and if it's not the offense it's the defense and vice versa and and i'm i'm a huge option offense guy i i love it but they just haven't had a qb that's even been a remote threat to pass in the least bit so i think tech fans are going to be yearning for more especially with in-state georgia playing so well now yeah we need to get back to the days of of reggie ball as a passer (laughs) um i'm gonna say you're crazy i mean if he goes seven and five that's that's a pretty good year yeah um if if you would have said they don't make a bowl game then okay then i could would kind of understand but he just made a good hire uh at defensive coordinator nate woody brought him from app state so i think giving him a little bit of a time to see what he can do and he just brought in a really good recruiting class at least for him um so i I don't know i I think uh if he goes seven to five it it would be unfair and I, i think you're crazy all right, let's uh, let's get to our tiered rankings and season win total over under picks, and we'll start at the top with the contenders. Ryan, who's our first contender? All right, our first contender is Miami. Their current win total is being set at nine and a half, and the under is the slight favorite at minus one twenty. Miami got to ten and zero last year before losing their last three games of the year. Rozier shouldered a lot of the blame for their late collapse, and I don't think that was necessarily fair on him. Um, they had some key injuries to a few skill position guys that got hurt. And I mean, f- for the vast majority of the year, Rozier was solid. So I don't think you can just take a few games and say, you know, Rozier stinks. Um, I think he's definitely going to be your starter. Um, and he's going to have some talent to work with. He's got Travis Homer back. He's got Amon Richards and Jeff Thomas back at wide receiver. The old line's got three guys coming back, and they get a transfer from Tennessee um, and Venzel Boulware. So I think the offense is going to be pretty good. The defense was obviously great and should be really good again this year, too. Some concerns up front. They lose uh, four impact players, but they still have some coming back. Joe Jackson and Demetrius Jackson form a really good duo at defensive end. Tackle's a bit of an issue, although they do have a couple guys that have, have some playing experience, but... They're going to be relying on an Illinois transfer, I think, maybe to play a little bit. So that's a little bit worrisome. Um, so maybe they won't be quite as good last year, but with that turnover chain, I think they'll still be good. <laughs> so I'm going to take the over on Miami. So I, I, you were high on Miami last year. I was always kind of low on them. I thought they were a pretender. Um, they just won a lot of close games against mediocre teams. I think the record made them look better than they were. So this year, I, I do see them improving, but I'm thinking more they're you know, around the 15th best team in the country rather than maybe top five or 10, like some people are expecting. It's hard to bash the defense. The defense is going to be really good. The back seven is incredible. Jaquan Johnson at safety, Shaq Quarterman at linebacker, both All-America candidates. Like you say, some turnover on the D-line, so maybe it won't be as good as last year, but overall, it's going to be a very good defense. But I think the offense is going to hold them back from becoming a legit top 10 team. I just think Malik Rozier, despite the fact that you know, I wouldn't be surprised him starting all, tw- all 12 games. I think he's mediocre. Um, the stats bear that out. I know Amon Richards is back, like you said, but Braxton Berrios is gone. Tight end Chris- Christopher Herndon's off to the NFL as well. So I think the offense is going to hold them back, and I'll go under uh, at 9-3. and three. 
I got to admit, college football, it's a little bit more fun when the U has its swagger back, as we saw last year. Those were some some fun games to watch. Yep. I I just wonder how long of a leash Rick's going to give Rozier with the, the some of the talent behind him. But, you know, no matter the quarterback, they they do have Travis Homer, Travis Homer, like you said, Ryan. They've got some solid wideouts and a, a fairly strong offensive line. Defensively, though, they're not they're not going to force 30 turnovers again. They recovered 14 of the opponent's 22 fumbles. So that, that was pretty lucky and above. They're average. fast. They're just quick to the ball. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They are. Uh, I'm not as high on the defense as opposed to maybe the or how good they were last year. But all that being said, their schedule is very favorable. And I trust Rick. Yes, it is. And I think he can do it just enough on offense. So I'm going to go over. Okay, let's move on to, uh, well, what looked like their biggest competition and probably still is, Virginia Tech. They're our second contender. Their season win total is set at eight and a half. The under is a minus 145 favorite. It has not been a good offseason for, particularly for Bud Foster's defense. Mm, yeah. The, Edmund, the Edmonds brothers and Tim Settle at nose tackle all left early for the NFL. And then their star cornerback, Adonis Alexander, left the program in the spring the projected the other projected starting corner Jeremy Webb tore his Achilles their whip linebacker Mook, Mook Reynolds was kicked off the team it's it's just it's been awful um it's been rough stop mike stop i know i know i'm sorry <laughs> now the good news is the d-line looks to be pretty good ricky walker is a nice piece to build around there but there's just almost no experience anywhere else along the defense uh so it's hard for me to imagine that being a great unit i know bud foster is is a great defensive coordinator so maybe they'll be okay but but they're not going to be excellent that's for sure the offense has question marks too josh jackson he's a pretty good quarterback but cam phillips has gone at receiver the o-line brings back experience but the running game wasn't very good last year so long term i love justin fuente but this year i have to go under yeah i'm i'm with you uh i think the summer the spring and summer was just too big of a distraction for the hokies uh, Foster and Fuente just really have their work cut out for them. You touched on the lack of experience on, on defense, at least in the back end. Linebackers only return two and a half tackles of experience. <laughs> That's so crazy. They are, they're, it's going to be a youth movement everywhere, and, and that could be troublesome. And offensively, I, I really do want to believe in, in Jackson and Fuente, but I just, I'm not having a lot of confidence in the defense, and the offense doesn't have a ton of playmakers either, at least that are returning. So I'm also leaning under. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Got to go under on the Hokies. I th- last year, I think they really benefited from a pretty weak schedule. Um, they only played three games against top 40 opponents, and they lost all three of those games. Um, and their offense was horrible in those. So um, I-, I just don't see how Virginia Tech is going to make a big leap this year. Maybe the year after, after some of these guys get some experience. Um, and Fuente is great, but I think they're going to lose to Florida State. They got Notre Dame in the non-conference. That's tough. And they also have Miami and they're going to drop a couple others. So definitely an under here for me as well. Okay. Let's get to our dark horses. Trey, who's our first dark horse? Georgia Tech, the Ramblin' Wreck. They're over under sitting at six. Now, Paul Johnson, he's running out of time in Atlanta. As we, you know, we just talked about a little bit, a little bit before, Taquan Marshall, he returns at quarterback, and he was very electric running the ball. Passing, 
meh. <laughs> Not uh, meh is kind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he was horrible. You know, you got to think if that just pr- improves a hair, it's going to help because Cravante, Benson, Jerry Howard, and the other backs that they have, they all return. And so they should have a pretty dynamic rushing attack, even more so than they traditionally do. Ryan, you touched on it earlier. They bring in the new defensive coordinator, Nate Woody, from Appalachian State. So the defense really needed a freshening. So hopefully some new eyes uh, can help because the defense has been pretty suspect recently. The bad thing, though, is that they lose a good amount of production. Even though it's hard to play against the option during the season, there's just too many tough hurdles on this schedule for me to see them going over six. I think they're a year away or so, so I got to lean under. Okay, uh, I, I like the over on the Yellow Jackets, uh, as I think they're going to be a little bit better than last year, especially on offense. Uh, and the main reason is because they have six guys coming back with starting experience on the offensive line. And you already mentioned Marshall and Benson coming back as well. So I, I think the offense will be an improved unit. Defense might have some growing pains uh, since they're going to be young, especially in the secondary. But give Woody some time, and I think that he's going to be uh, getting those guys playing well, and especially as the year goes on. They're, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to attack a little bit more and force some more turnovers. Um, so I think uh, they'll do just enough to get to 7-5 and five and go over. Okay. I mean, I agree with you, Ryan, that the offense will be better. I don't think there's any question about that. And I also like the hire of Nate Woody, but I just don't think he has much to work with right now. They were bad to begin with last year. They lose a ton of production. One guy you guys didn't mention is probably their best defensive player, uh, or at least he was expected to be their best defensive player. Safety AJ Gray had to retire because of a heart condition in the offseason. So the cupboard is really bare and I'm going to go under this year. But who is our next dark horse, Ryan? That is uh, the Pitt Panthers. Their current win total is being set at five, and the over is the heavy favorite at minus 145. I'm liking Pitt this year, um, but a lot's going to depend on the development of their sophomore quarterback, uh, Kenny Pickett. Another good name. Well, maybe bad name for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I bad say. name. Yeah. <laughs> He's only played in a few games um, last year, but one of those was when he started and beat Miami. So. He kind of seems like the unquestioned leader there. Uh, his backup is likely to be Ricky Town, yet another uh, former Trojan quarterback found his way to Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, the first one didn't end up so well. No, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> which everybody knew that, or at least it just was obvious to me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you knew it. I, I mean, I was really low on Max Brown going there. It was just, yeah. Anyways, this year, offensive line has some holes to fill. Uh, they have four starters gone, so they're going to be relying on some transfers and JUCOs to help there. So that's a big concern. Um, but the defense is why I'm taking the over here on Pitt. They're very likely to take a step forward after getting better towards the end of last year. They, they're top six linemen, top five linebackers, and six out of the eight um, deep backs return. So I think Narduzzi will get those boys playing really well, and I think they're going to do enough to get to six and six. For Narduzzi being a defensive guru the pit pit defenses really haven't been all that stellar uh, in his regime no, there no they haven't but but they were young last year they have some optimism going into 2018 but youth is probably still going to reign uh offensively you touched on it ryan uh obviously with Pickett, but darren hall had a big impact at running back towards the end of the year so there's some there's some light uh offensively now Back to the defense, though. Yeah, they showed some signs towards the end of the year, but and they have some returning production, but the returning production, they weren't over- overwhelmingly successful. So 
hopefully they develop. I'm a believer in the latter part of the year where they beat Miami and they were competitive down the stretch and it le- led to a bowl game. So I'm going to go over for Pitt. Yep, we're all going over. Um, like Ryan, I'm I'm confident in in Kenny Pickett. I'm optimistic on him, even though we haven't really seen much. And I agree that the the defense uh, should should take a big step forward with all the production coming back. So I say they go six and six and make it to a bowl. Now the schedule is tough. They've got non conference games at UCF, at Notre Dame, and against Penn State. Wow. So maybe that's why the uh, the win total is so low. But I still think they can they can eke by with an over. Our next dark horse is Duke, and their season win total is set at six. The over is a minus one twenty five favorite. I think we all know where Trey's going to go with this one. <laughs> yeah, sure do. Um, and there's a lot to like about this team. I mean, particularly on the defense. They have two potential All-Americans there. Joe Giles Harris at linebacker and Mark Gilbert at corner. And really just the defense as a whole should be improved. The front six brings back a ton of production. The secondary does have a lot of new starters, so they might struggle a little bit. But but overall, it's it's a very good defense. And the offense has some decent skill talent. My problem, though, is Daniel Jones took a big step back at quarterback yeah. last year. He was pretty average, and maybe that's even being kind. I think the offensive line is going to be worse this year with what they lose. So I just think that could hold back Duke from from having a really good season. So I'm actually going to go under. Wow. Okay. Um, I disagree. I'm going to go over on Duke. I think David Cutcliffe is amazing. I think he should get more notoriety. Um, they reached bowl eligibility last year, despite having a, a young core. And I think they'll be better this year. Um, I think Daniel Jones, hopefully going into his junior year, will make, you know, maybe that was just a sophomore slump is that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, and Britton Brown, he's, he's going to be, a, he's a pretty explosive running back. So I like the Blue Devils. I think the the issue for their offense, though, is they do lose three offensive linemen. So that's going to be uh, – they have a transfer coming in from Ohio State, though. So hopefully that will help fill some of those holes. Um, the defense, you, Mike, you mentioned, they're great. I mean, Mark Gilbert is a potential American. He had three tackles for loss, six picks, and 14 pass breakups. Those are just insane numbers for a defensive back. Just an unreal year. You, you said they were a little bit light on the returning experience somewhere else in the – defensive backfield but I, they get two quality safeties back I, I feel like and defensive line and linebacking core are great so I'm gonna say the Dukes do just enough and uh, go seven and five so give me the over yeah okay well obviously no surprise here that I'm gonna go over but I just echo your sentiments on on David Cutcliffe Ryan I, I he's just to me he's one of the best coaches I mean what he's done at Duke is is pretty impressive you know, I don't have, I can't statistically base Daniel Jones taking a huge step forward after last season, but I just have this, this confidence that another offseason Cutcliffe kind of can work on his faults and, and he's going to do just fine this year. He's and extremely talented. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. They whipped Northern Illinois in their bowl game, absolutely destroyed them. So they have some, they had some confidence coming into the year. I think that propels them forward. Uh, you guys touched on their defense. I think it's going to be really good. They, I'm, I'm high on the defense, so I really like Duke to go over over the six this season. So go Blue Devils. One thing to look out for is a very tough non-conference schedule, or at least three of the games. They have Army at Northwestern and at Baylor, all pretty decent teams. So you know things could really swing for them in the non-conference. They, yeah, they have a, a lot of toss-up games. So yeah, hopefully things yeah. go right for them. All right, we are to our final dark horse. Who's that, Trey? North Carolina, the Tar Heels, their over-under 
is set at six with the under being the favorite at minus 125. Now, 2007 was an absolute night nightmare for Larry Fedora. I don't the, remember how 2007 went for him, but I'm assume you're talking about 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, how were they? Good point. Is that a Butch Davis year? It's 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you were just going to go all the way back from 2007 until now, in which case I'm glad we just fast forwarded. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to really break down the last decade. <laughs> it's like a Phil Steele magazine. You're starting back like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I'll just regurgitate the last 10 years and then talk one <laughs> sentence about the new stuff. No, so 2017, excuse me, was a nightmare for the, the Tar Heels. They had a lot of young players playing, and they also had a ton of injuries. The quarterback battle looks like it's down to Chad Surratt and Nathan Elliott, who both showed flashes last season. Surratt looked to have more upside, but we're going to see which way they end up leaning. Either way, there's hope at receiver with Ratliff Williams, Newsom, and Corrales, to name a few. So there's talent there. The line play was inconsistent between injuries and shuffling. But they'll need to gel this season in order to have some sustained success, and that kind of goes without saying. But defensively, they return a lot of upperclassmen. Senior end Malik Carney, he led the team in tackles for loss and sacks, so they should be able to build around him. The secondary has a high upside, more youth and experience coming back. Now I start to sound like Mel Kuyper. <laughs> Everyone, but... Everyone wrote off Carolina after last season and the debacle it was, so I'm going to buy low on the heels and go over. You're big on buying low. I am. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take the over. I, I think I agree, Trey. I think 1994 was was not great for Larry. Yeah, Kedora. Mac Brown had some years. <laughs> uh, but no. Yeah, Julius I, Peppers was dominant then. I think that was even, even before him, I think. <laughs> But no, I, I think they're going to be competitive again last this year. I think last year was was an aberration. Love the receiving core, like you mentioned, Trey. There's a two-headed monster at running back with Jordan Brown and Michael Carter. And I do have some level of confidence in both quarterbacks. I agree. I think they did show some flashes, particularly Chaz Surratt, uh, because of his running ability. Yeah. I don't have much positive to say about the defense, except for maybe the D-line. They They look to be a solid group but i'm just putting my faith in larry fedora i think he's a very good coach and i don't want to see the demise of america so i'm i'm hoping north carolina football <laughs> uh, will yeah. be good this year so i'll go over <laughs> okay uh i disagree with you guys i'm gonna take the under on the tar heels north carolina football is under attack by ryan <laughs> the ceiling is the roof is the ceiling no the ceiling is the roof the ceiling is the roof yeah that's right sorry michael jordan <laughs> Um. Okay, I'm not sold on their their QB QB position. It, it'll probably be Chas Surratt, I think. Uh, but as we saw last year, he's he can be a little shaky. He'll even try to throw the ball with two hands, um, which is not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> over overhand two hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if he was working behind a, a talented and experienced offensive line, then that would be a different story. But he's not, and I think the offensive line should struggle. And I'm not high on their defense either, especially with John Papuchas being the defensive coordinator. I mean, we Nebraska fans know him. He used to be the defensive coordinator there, and he was really just Bo Pelini's puppet. Um, no puppet. No puppet. I'm just not high of Papuchas as a, as a coach. So I think they're going to struggle against the run as their D-line, while talented, is pretty small. Um, so I'm going to say the Tar Heels go under. Okay, we are finally to our last team, and it is our only long shot. In the division. Ryan, who's that? 
The Cavaliers of Virginia, yeah, they're, uh, their win total being set at five, and the under is the big favorite at minus 155. They made a bowl game somehow last year. Um, they just forgot to show up to that game, if you remember that. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was the weirdest thing, opening kickoff for a touchdown and then 49 unanswered from 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 Navy. But anyways, it doesn't sound like uh, Bronco Mendenhall is super high on his squad this year. Did you guys see that quote that he said about his, his yeah, team? Yeah, that's a, an, an insane quote. It really is. He said they only have 27 ACC-level players on their entire roster. I'm not so sure that was a smart thing to say. No. Um, he's probably right, though. Um, <laughs> I'm just... So I'm not high on them, I, especially with all they lose. They lose Kurt Benkert, who's actually a pretty solid quarterback. Um, their best big play threat in uh, Andre Lavrone and a few offensive linemen, and most of their D-line. The new QB is likely to be their JUCO transfer, Bryce Perkins. From He was at Arizona State originally. He's pretty mobile, so maybe he can kind of replicate a little bit of what uh, Taysom Hill did at BYU for Bronco Mendenhall, going back a little bit, but, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) At least you're not going back to 94, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's somewhat relevant. (laughs) Uh, It'll be tough without much talent around him, though. So I'm going to take the under, as I really only see two games that I'm confident they'll win. They have games against Richmond and Liberty at home. And I honestly wouldn't be that surprised if one of those teams uh, beat them. So I'm going to go under, Trey. Do they have to play UMBC, though? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Too yeah. soon? Wow. Too soon. <laughs> I, it's it's just hard to be optimistic with the Wahoos this year, especially after finishing one and six, and and they did so in just ugly fashion. They did. So you know, whatever QB starts, based off of reading, I kind of agree with you. I, I would lean towards Perkins just because of his running ability. Now the defense has some hope. Uh, they 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 have some transfers and JUCOs, but they're not exactly joining an already stout unit. So I'm just not overly high on on Broncos team. So I'm going to go under. I just don't trust trust the offense to take a step forward, and that's been their Achilles heel. So at least they'll have basketball season coming, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm also going to go under. Um, like you, Ryan. I, I liked Kurt Benkert. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. And even with him, the offense was terrible. So I I think that side of the ball is is going to struggle yet again with with Bryce Perkins. I think maybe you guys are underselling the defense a little bit. The back eight, I think, is very good. I think it's, you know, as good as as most of the teams in in the conference. But the D-line is a different story. And if the head coach is telling me that he only has 27 ACC caliber players, (laughs) doesn't sound like he's too confident in the team. So I'm going under. I can't believe he said that. Man. But it is time for the hot seat. And it is my turn to be on the hot seat this episode. So fire away, guys. All right. Okay, Michael, Clemson or the field to win the ACC title? So the betting odds have Clemson as a, a 63% favorite, not just to win the, the division, but to win the ACC. So wow. I've got to go with them. Um, there's there's not even really a huge concern. Maybe sometimes you worry about a quarterback getting injured and that throwing a wrench in their plans, but they've got Trevor Lawrence there if that happens. So, so I have a hard time seeing anybody else winning the conference. Who is the best quarterback in the ACC? I'm going to go with Ryan Finley at NC State. He's just really solid. He's efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's got a good amount of yards per attempt. Doesn't take sacks. There's just there's really no weakness in his game. So I think NC State's offense is going to be great this year. His weakness is that he can't run. Well, but he doesn't take a lot of sacks, so that's okay. No, I know. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. You're on the hot seat. <laughs> okay, fine. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> 
All right, which coach will last longer at their school? Bronco Mendenhall or Larry Fedora? So I'm going to say push here. I think that... Oh, you... Oh, my no, God. No, you're not. I think they get fired at the exact same time on the exact same day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but this seriously, though, is one of the hardest questions that I've had on this podcast. I'm Ultimately, I'm going to go with Bronco Mendenhall just because I've seen Fedora have a lot of success at North Carolina. And Virginia as a team right now is just, of course, in a much deeper hole talent-wise. All right. This is hot seat trivia, if you will. Georgia Tech recently changed their apparel sponsor from what to what? Oh, geez. I really don't follow this stuff. I'm going to guess that they changed from Nike to Adidas. Oh, I at least know what they were at. They were at Russell, right? Yeah. So they were like Russell Athletic. They got people would recruit against them because of that. Yeah. Russell Athletic, they now are Adidas. Oh, all right. I don't, I mean, that's just, I got half right, half credit, right? You did. You did. I mean, Russell Athletic. What was, I mean, that's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I somehow didn't know that. I just, I don't really, like, I honestly could barely tell you what my favorite teams are. So I'm, a, just, I'm a Jersey guy. I, I get into that stuff. USC? Yeah. USC, I think we're Nike. I feel like I, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, good job, Michael. I did a great job on the hot seat. Yeah, Michael. <laughs> you did. <laughs> great job. Fantastic work. Okay. Let's get to our ACC championship picks. And Trey, why don't you go first? Okay. I'm really going to go out on a limb here. Okay. Clemson beats Miami in, uh, in a re- rematch of, of last year. I, I have to think this might be the most predictable conference title game there there's been recently. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, I wonder if it is. Is there any other uh conference this year that has a more predictable conference championship? I mean, like you can say Wisconsin for sure in one division, but, but yeah. you know, I'm not gonna be surprised if Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State and Big twelve is doesn't have division, so it's Yeah, and that second but, spot's you know, up for grabs after Oklahoma. Yeah, second spot's up for grabs. Pac twelve South's kind of up for grabs oh sec i mean alabama georgia that's, uh, that's true i would i would actually go with that well what if what about auburn i'm not saying that it's a lock but I, <laughs> no i know I, no it's fair, it's fair. <laughs> all right anyway uh for the acc i am gonna go with clemson over miami as well <laughs> i just think i'm not high on miami so i wanted to pick somebody else yeah in, in the coastal but it's with virginia to. tech injuries on the defense i just can't do it yeah, this is boring. Um, I agree with you guys. Clemson beats Miami, goes to the playoff. Okay, let's get to our questionable finish. As we already mentioned, Pittsburgh's quarterback has the last name Pickett, which is not great for a quarterback. Which player in college football history had the worst name for his position? Okay, you know, it's funny because this guy was also a Pittsburgh player. Um, he was a kicker for them a couple of years ago. Oh, man. Was Chris Blewett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that was my top one as well, but I assumed you were going to steal that because it it's a great one. Yeah, exactly. There's also a Cal O-lineman named Gentle Williams. Oh. And there's also a Charlotte player who almost had a great name. His name was Josh Snapper, but he wasn't a center. He was a tackle. Oh, he could have been a long snapper, too. Really but, poor coaching uh, by Charlotte on that one. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. Yeah, Blewett is, probably takes the cake. But <laughs> yeah, I think considering his position, tight end, Jake Butt, it's it's just not a good mix. <laughs> okay, see, I so I said on last episode that that was a great one. Well. But I see your point. But it, yeah, it's, it's just not a good mix there. 
All right, next question. Georgia Tech is the only Power 5 team that runs the triple option offense. What is something in your life that you do a little bit differently than everybody else? Everything. I'm a unique individual. <laughs> he says in a boring, monotone voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Now, I, I don't drink. It's it's a personal choice, and I'm one of the very few people I know out there that, that doesn't. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's true. Uh, so I actually don't do this anymore, but for a very long time, I would wash my jeans after every individual use. Oh wow! Whoa! Yeah, what a waste. I know, Man. I know. It was it was bad, but I'm 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 recovered. Now you never wash them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now I just don't wear pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this is actually mine was when I was younger as well. Um, for lunch at school, I would eat ketchup hoagies. Oh. <laughs> That's just like insane. Just bread and ketchup and nothing else. Oh man. I need to get back to that one though. Um, no you don't. That's just that's crazy. I mean I still use like a pound of ketchup on my hamburgers and so <laughs> it's pretty much still a ketchup hoagie. All right, last question. The turnover chain will be back again this year for Miami. If you coached a college football team, how would you reward your players after a turnover? So I'm going old school with mine. I'm just going to give a, a nice, sturdy smack on the buttocks. Right on the Jake butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd give him $100 right on the sideline. Right in front for the NCAA to see. And you're fired. Right in front. I just want the NCAA to see that. <laughs> no, but maybe a, a simple good job, way to do what you're supposed to do. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm a motivator. Well, I'm do, a motivator. Do your job. You're like a Larry Fedora old school type guy. <laughs> All right. Um, I would cut practice time by 10 minutes for each turnover. Okay. You know, I I did stuff like this when I was coaching basketball, and so I would set a goal for the game. So I'd tell my guys, hey, if we hold this team to under 50 points, we won't run any suicides during practice for the next couple practices. And I felt like that actually simplified things for them, and it just kind of kept them more focused. So I think more teams should do kind of what Miami's doing. All right. Trey, if you want to go even more Buzz Killington, just like hand them an article by Bill Connolly saying turnovers are are largely luck based. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Um, okay, that'll do it for our ACC previews. I have a feeling that next week may be our biggest audience yet because we are previewing the last conference, the SEC. SEC, SEC. Yeah, looking forward to that. So we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.